We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. A lot of things going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. Eh, Not a lot of positive things, I guess I should say, but plenty for us to dig into. We do have a bunch of Super Chats still left over following the postgame show from Lakers versus Wolves. The Lakers now 0-5 on the season. And as I'm recording this, unfortunately, the Sacramento Kings defeated the Miami Heat, which means officially the Lakers are the only winless team in the NBA. Ouch. Fans are not happy and rightfully so. You can see it in the questions that we're going to go over today. I'm going to address a lot of different topics as we go through all of this. Quick reminder, do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And over on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating And then toss in a review. I love reading those. Some fantastic things have been put in there. And it's a great way to help out the show. So again, if you wouldn't mind, take a moment and toss in a rating and review. Certainly would appreciate it. All right. Let's dive into some of the questions and comments. Again, keep in mind, these are coming post-loss to the Wolves. So some of them will reference that specifically, even though as most of you are watching this or listening to this, we are getting ready for the Lakers to take on the Denver Nuggets, hoping for their first win of the season and what would be their sixth game. But nevertheless, here we go. Uh, David says, no shame in losing if you fight. We're shorthanded tonight. And clearly the underdog got to take care of the ball. We competed. That's what fans want. See, I agree with everything he's saying until the last the last bit there. We competed. That's what fans want. To a degree, right? I mean, fans want to see the team compete, especially compared to last season when last season's team was not competitive on most nights. But... But you have to have a baseline of of wins. If you just keep losing over and over and over, well, that's the fan base is not going to be okay with that. This is the Los Angeles Lakers. This is the Lakers. This is a Lakers team, by the way, that doesn't have a, well, they have a pick this year, but it's a pick swap. So the Pelicans can take their draft pick. So there's no silver lining here to losing games. This is a very prideful fan base that wants to see this team do well, that holds the standards very high. So I don't think just competing is clearing the bar with Lakers fans. It might be an improvement compared to last year, just in terms of, hey, this team is really fighting, but the result still does matter, and you've got to see the team win games. That said, yes, the the Lakers were the massive underdogs going into the game against the Wolves. That's why I wasn't too upset about the Lakers losing that game because they were, I believe it was an eight-point favorite for the the Wolves uh, had going into this with no Anthony Davis. 
no Juan Toscano Anderson, no Dennis Schroeder, no Thomas Bryant. I mean, you had all these pieces missing and it was, it was kind of a mess going into the game. So um, in that sense, yeah, I wasn't su- a surprise that they lost, but still to right now just have the reality, regardless of how difficult the schedule has been, which it has been difficult, but the reality being that they are the only team in the NBA to not win. That's, that's not something Lakers fans are going to be okay with, regardless of what the circumstances are. Super dope hip hop said six of 17 shooting. Oh, we're talking about Russell Westbrook here. Five of 10 from the free throw line. Um, 13, how many, however many dimes it's spelled out incorrectly here, but five turnovers. That's fantastic. Uh, they're four, one or three and two with Turner and healed. It's clear as day elite three point sh- uh, shooter and shot blocker. Palenka face palm. Uh, yeah. So look, Russell Westbrook in terms of why it was, I thought a fantastic day for him against the wolves was because we saw a path to success coming off the bench. We saw a better version of Russell Westbrook than we've seen in the past. Again, relative it's relative to what we've seen before out of Russ. We saw Russ get in with the second unit and push the pace a bit and have some success doing those things. If you're looking at Russ and you're saying he has to be a $47 million player, He's nowhere close to that. He will never be anywhere close to that. Again, he's never going to see that kind of contract again. If that's the standard you're going to hold him to, then you're always going to be disappointed. We just have to understand that that's not what he's going to be. The experiment in terms of moving him to the bench, I think was a success. And I think that he looked good in that role. Again, not to say he had a perfect game. He very much did not. But I thought that he did some things that the Lakers needed him to do. And the bottom line, and this is why I say it's fantastic, was I think that they were better having him play this game than if he had just sat out. And that might be an extremely low bar, but that's where we're at. Because let's face it, there are some nights where Russell Westbrook plays and you say, man, they could have won this game if he just didn't play (laughs) because he makes a ton of mistakes, misses a bunch of shots, all kinds of errors, things of that nature that he just doesn't contribute at all to to positive basketball. I didn't think that was the case against the Wolves. I thought what, what Russ did on the floor were things the Lakers needed, particularly when you had... Lonnie wasn't giving you much. Kendrick Nunn wasn't giving you much out there. It's not like there was an alternative that would have taken the Lakers to the next level in place of, of Russell Westbrook. So it's within that context that I look at it as a successful debut of Russ coming off the bench. Uh, but uh, the Turner and Heald thing, look, they've been playing well. Uh, Miles Turner didn't play this evening. The, the Pacers actually got another win, um, picked up another surprise win over the Brooklyn Nets. Miles Turner didn't play in this one as the, the Pacers are trying to load manage him, but Buddy Heald had a solid performance. Look, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Uh, if the Lakers have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, yeah, they're probably 4-1 and one or 3-2. and two. I, I 100% right. Yep, I, I will agree with you on that. Dan says, I love Braun, but at almost 38, he just can't carry a team anymore, especially with no shooters. I'm 38 and I'm sore all day after sleeping on the couch. Well, I feel you there, Dan. Uh, but I, I look, this is not ideal. And perhaps this is why LeBron took to Instagram the other day to ex- express his disappointment, right? Now, obviously, he didn't specifically say this is about the Lakers, but his comment about people taking him for granted feels like that's probably what's going on here is he's talking about the Lakers and not providing him with a team that, uh, would fit his skill set. I mean, look, it's not rocket science. We've said this for years. You have success around LeBron, and this is just historically true, by surrounding him with guys who do two things. Just two things. Play defense and shoot. That's what you need around LeBron James. I think you can argue with this team that they've done the former. Play defense. 
Um, this team has been good in terms of defensive rating, good to even great. I don't know if they're an elite defensive team. I think we need to see more games before we can get to that point. But we've seen really good moments for them defensively. Some bad, too. So, again, I don't want to totally buy into this is a top-tier defensive team. But I think that they are, at the very least, passable defensively. The shooting, obviously, has not been there at all. I mean, at all, at all. The shooting has been completely missing, even well below their career averages. I've talked about it a ton, so I'm not going to go back and rehash that. But, yeah, without having the shooters, it's going to be tough for LeBron to have success. And that's where a lot of fans look at them and say, Let's make a trade. I know other comments are going to get into that trade front topic, so let's move on here. Uh, Jay Laker Dog said, Reeves should have been in more, played well. Yeah, I got 27 minutes against the Wolves. His shooting, he's one of the few guys that's shooting above his career average from three. Um, he, was, he was over 40% now. So he's shooting well. I don't know if he's quite this good on the season, but I would like to see him be a bit more aggressive, and I thought he took a step in that direction against the Wolves in terms of looking for his own shot. You know he can be a creator for you out there to a degree. He's got really good vision. Um, but finding his own offense, I think, will be important. I think this Lakers team in general just needs a few more guys who can knock down shots. And if Austin Reeves is one of the few guys that has it going, then he should probably be taking uh, a few more shots. But again, I think he took some steps in that direction against the Wolves. Uh, Super Supreme said, low-key about to be 0 and 11. Man, I mean, they're 0-5 right now. And if you look, they've got a couple of matchups against the Jazz coming up. And those were the games that we had tabbed as, okay, those are like, those are the safety games, right? Like when you apply to college, right? You apply to, let's say you apply to like six different colleges. And one of those is your safety college, right? The one that you know, I'm getting into this one. Even if I don't get into some of the other ones, my top choice, don't get into that one. I've got this one as my safety net. That's what the games against the Jazz were for the Lakers. Hey, look, we'd love to get wins over the Blazers, over the Clippers, over the Nuggets, over the Wolves. We, we would love to win these games. But just in case, we've got those games against the Jazz coming up, and we know those are going to be wins. Well, not so fast. Suddenly, the Utah Jazz this evening, they beat the Memphis Grizzlies by a point, who were the number two team in the conference last season, and the Jazz have a 5-2 and two record. The tanking Jazz. Yeah, we didn't know if they were going to win, what, 10 games this year? And here we are, seven games into their season, and they're already at five wins. So much for that that tanking. So much for Victor Wembyama for to Utah. My goodness, they've been really good. And, I mean, they are not, they're not a gimme win on the schedule anymore. That's where things get even more difficult for the Lakers. They're going to have to beat some good teams, just the way it is. Rick says, trade Westbrook ASAP, and if it doesn't make you a contender, you can trade AD by the deadline, LeBron in the offseason, let Westbrook expire, and possibly trade Turner as well, et cetera, for young talent and picks. Okay, so Westbrook, you, I mean, if you're trading him ASAP in order to get like a Miles Turner or something, then obviously you're not letting him expire. But if you're saying trade Westbrook ASAP, okay, the question then becomes what's out there? Because we've heard that essentially what's out there is the are the moves the Lakers didn't want to do over the summer. I agree with the previous comment about they're probably a three and two team right now if they've got Miles Turner and Buddy Heald on their roster at the moment. I'm not going to dis disagree with that. You could trade AD by the deadline, depending on how he looks. If you really decide, you know what, this is not working now and this is never going to work. I've been saying an AD trade probably isn't a bridge they, they even consider crossing until the summer at the earliest, but if you really say this is simply not going to work, 
sure, you might start listening on, on Anthony Davis trades. Trade Westbrook ASAP. If it doesn't make you a contender, then you pivot by looking to trade AD. But again, you've got to find something that you like in a Westbrook trade, and you've got to find a team that's ready to make a deal. That's the challenge now. See, back in the summer, when teams haven't reported to camp or any of that, it's much easier to find teams who are willing to make a trade. Around the NBA right now, we're five games into the season. That like, like, for example, the Jazz. They're sitting around going, is this real? Like, we, we expect it to be one of the worst teams in the conference, and here we are with five wins out of seven tries. Like, but is this real? Are we re- Is this sustainable? Like, at the 30-game mark, are we still going to be winning at this pace? Is that really what we are right now? Teams want to let things settle and know exactly what they have and what they don't have and how they stack up compared to their competitors before they're going to go make any drastic changes. So maybe an Indiana trade is still out there. Maybe you can still do something with Utah. Maybe you can do something with the Spurs. But these teams have all, frankly, won a little bit more than you would expect. And now perhaps that would further incentivize them to make a trade so they can lose more because they had planned on being in on the tank race. So maybe that's there. But you also have to wonder, like, if you're Utah, are you just looking at this saying, hey, we stumbled into a team that actually kind of works. Let's just let this go and, and see where it takes us. That's possible, too. A lot of teams are going to want to wait 20, 25 games, if not more. A lot of teams look at December 15th as the unofficial start to the trade season because that's when the guys, most of the guys who signed contracts last summer become trade eligible. So that's a possibility, too. When the Lakers are looking at the trade market, let's say Rob is on the phone right now. That doesn't mean that every team is even ready to make a trade. Not just are they going to give you the stuff that you want, not just are you going to get good value on a deal or how's the negotiation going to go or any of that kind of of stuff. Are they ready to make a trade, period? Because for a lot of teams around the NBA, the answer to that question is no. So that's going to be a challenge for a Lakers team that is sitting at 0-5 and and now feels that much more pressure to get something done. I'm sure they're, they're probably right now, there's got to be some level of regret in the front office that they didn't just pull the trigger on the Indiana deal that was sitting there the night before media day. But here we are. It was a risk. We knew it was a gamble. doesn't look like it's paying off right now. Uh, Super chat says Braun is also making 50 plus million the next two seasons, rightfully so. So how do we fill out the roster moving forward? You know, this was something that I brought up. I don't remember if this was on air or off air in my conversation with Matt, the optimist Peralta, but brought up the, the idea that, When you're talking about bird rights in the NBA, which are so important when you're building out a roster, because once you get some big contracts on the books, in order to surround those players with enough talent, you need to use bird rights to your advantage. You need to be able to go over the cap and continue to pay players because you're not going to have any room to pay players in free agency. Um, That, I think, has been a key mistake by the Lakers because they traded away all of their guys that they had bird rights on, and they traded them for guys that ultimately either left the team like Dennis Schroeder or or other pieces that simply didn't fit like Russell Westbrook, where Russ, okay, you've got bird rights on him, but are they really going to keep him after this year? No, right? That's, that's not a thing that's going to happen, at least most likely not going to happen. So the Lakers don't get to use those bird rights, which means best case, they'll have maybe 30 million in cap space. You have LeBron and AD on the books. Then what do you do? Take that 30 million, you could sign one guy, Two guys, maybe three, maybe. And then the rest of your roster is veteran minimum guys again. Is that good enough? I don't know. And that's that's why ultimately 
I do wonder if in order to really build a roster correctly, if it's going to require a complete teardown. And it's not what I want to see because you don't want to see the last years of LeBron get wasted. You want to see AD find success and, and all of that. I'm not, that's very much the doom and gloom apocalyptic scenario. They weren't able to get anything to work and you just, you're stuck with nothing left to do, but start over essentially. That's not what you want, but the Lakers are in a tough spot in terms of actually building out a cohesive roster with LeBron and AD on the books because they didn't, they don't have the support pieces around them. They don't. And to add those support pieces after you already have the stars under contract and then have to go find those support pieces in free agency, that's really difficult, as we've seen over the past two years. Barnard said LeBron with two made field goals under 10 minutes in the fourth. One was the oop from Russ. We have no closer. Uh, Braun off the cliff. 80s game is too predictable. Yeah, you know what? Again, LeBron had, he had a rough night in Denver. Thought he was a bit better against the Wolves. But yeah, you would like to see a little bit more of scoring punch from LeBron there. But again, it's also not just LeBron. There's been a lot of issues with guys not able to score down the stretch. Uh, but the Lakers offense went cold. But the bigger thing was against the Wolves, their defense wasn't getting stops. How many times did we see players didn't close out on Carl Anthony Towns? Gave him a few open threes. And the Wolves were able to score on enough possessions. And it's really important for the Lakers to get stops because they understand that they don't have a great half-court offense anyway. So, yeah, you're relying on LeBron to score in those situations, but your half-court spacing is not going to be great. It's not going to be good. When you're known around the NBA as a terrible three-point shooting team. You need to get stops, and you need to get up scoring opportunities in transition. And when Carl Anthony Towns is draining multiple threes and other guys are contributing hitting shots, you're taking the ball out of the basket, and it bogs down your offensive opportunities. So the Lakers rely a lot on their defense to create their offense. And I thought they did a poor job of getting stops in the fourth quarter, which is what prevented them from really making a comeback push there or any kind of a serious push. Damien said, Lakers need Miami Heat version of Kendrick Nunn in the worst way. All his threes are short, which say leg issues. Do you think he's actually healthy? I do think he's healthy, but I also agree. They need Miami Heat version of Kendrick Nunn. He's also one of the few guys they actually have early bird rights on or will. So they really need to get him to click with this team to hit because if you do there he's one guy that you could keep like if troy brown jr is great you don't have bird rights on him you so if you spend all your money elsewhere in free agency goodbye troy brown jr it's the malik monk situation all over again same thing with juan toscano anderson damian jones thomas bryant any of the one-year contract guys dennis Schroeder, just whoever you want to name so i agree they need to get more out of kendrick nunn need to Need to. I thought that was a big problem in the Wolves game was Kendrick Nunn was not good enough. I thought he was better than he has been, but he's been, I mean, he's been unplayable in some games. thought he was a little bit better against the Wolves. Hopefully he's able to ramp things up again and really get going um, and get find his shot because the Lakers need more from Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker did not have a good game against the Wolves. They need those guys to consistently be scoring threats, Kendrick Nunn and Lonnie Walker. Turner and Heald on their own isn't great, but we can grab Richardson and maybe another wing like Justin Holiday for Nunn and Beverly. Please fire Rob. So that's saying, hey, if you don't make a Westbrook trade or if you do and you somehow can keep some of your trade assets, then you could use perhaps the contract, the $13 million contract of Patrick Beverly to go get something done in a trade. And that's often not one that we look at as something that the Lakers can go and turn around and deal. 
um, because he's so new, I think he kind of gets a pass in that regard. But he is a $13 million expiring contract. So if the Lakers did decide they wanted to try to explore a smaller trade with him, they could. Kendrick Nunn, $5 million and change expiring contract. But once again, he's one of your few guys that you actually have bird rights on to hang on to if you want to. Um, they should also have bird rights on uh, on Patrick Beverly because they would have inherited those in the trade. Uh, Red, what big splash trade is Palinka and Genie waiting on? Kyrie, Dame, Siakam. I don't see a big star becoming available anytime soon. I mean, that's true, kind of, but this stuff can also come from out of the blue. I, don't, I mean, based on what's been going on with Kyrie, uh, look, the, he just made comments a few hours ago in his post-game presser. I don't know how many teams are clamoring to go add Kyrie. Um, I'll leave it at that. But Dame, I can't see Portland wanting to trade him, and I can't see Portland wanting to trade him specifically to the Lakers. That would be that would be shocking if they were to do that. Siakam, I, look, the Lakers are hoping something better comes along sometime this season. That was the gamble that they took when they didn't make the Pacers trade in the summer. Um, so now... Now they're hoping something better does pop up, but it's hard to really predict what's going to happen. It's hard to predict who's going to become disgruntled or who's going to suddenly pop onto the market. I mean, it, people certainly weren't projecting that Pau Gasol would suddenly become available years ago. Sometimes stuff just happens that you wouldn't have expected during the season. I mean, look, a few weeks ago, no one would have projected that the Utah Jazz would win five of their first seven games, right? There's a reason why you have to step on the floor and play the games and there's unpredictability to it. So, I don't, while we may not see anybody clearly that is going to pop open in the next few months, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Okay. Um, people were saying the same thing to the Nets last year, that nothing was going to become available for Ben Simmons, uh, or I'm sorry, for, for uh, the, the, to the 76ers, that nothing was going to become available for Ben Simmons, that they weren't going to get Harden, who was kind of rumored to be the guy that they wanted. That was never going to happen. And lo and behold, they got their guy. They got James Harden. Um, it happened. They were patient, and it happened. I'm not saying that's for sure what's going to happen with the Lakers, but they've got a recent example of a team under fire to do something. You've got a salary on your books that's just wasting away. They held the ground, they were patient, and they ultimately got what they wanted. We'll see if the Lakers story turns out the same way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If they punt on the season, I'm done with the Lakers, this comment says. So this is uh, responding to something that Brian Windhorst said the other day on ESPN, where he said internally, the Lakers may be accepting the idea that their best opportunity is next season. Meaning 
you keep Russell Westbrook on your roster all season, you let his contract expire, and then you go make your splash in free agency and or on the trade market. You have then three draft picks available to trade as of draft night this year in June uh, because you can trade your 2023 pick, whether it's the Pelicans pick or the Lakers pick, you can trade that pick um, as soon as it's a player and no longer a pick. Stepien rule doesn't apply to it at that point. So if you decide you're going to do that, if that's the path you're going to go down, there is no trade, then are you sending the message then that you are punting on the season? And I think this would probably be the response of a lot of Lakers fans because after last season, people don't want to go through that. People don't want to sit through that again. And if that's really what the Lakers are expecting, and based on what we've seen so far, fans are not happy with what, after last season, fans are really upset with what they're seeing on the floor as of this moment because of what the team just put the fan base through last season. And so to put this club into this position again, and again, I think they are better than their record, certainly, but that doesn't mean that they are a championship-level club. That doesn't mean they are a solid playoff club. If they decide we are not making any kind of a move all season long, I think there's a lot of fans who will feel very frustrated and very upset with that. And some may decide to tune out at that point because you don't want to sit through the pain that we saw last year. That was not, it was not an enjoyable experience to watch this team play basketball. Now, I will say the club that we're seeing this year competes at a level that's different than the one that we saw last year. And so there is, for me, there's some satisfaction in that, just seeing some of the younger guys go and scrap and do what they can. Um, nonetheless, there is still frustration because you want to see them succeed and, you know, maybe win a game or two here. Uh, Brad says, if the Pelicans take the swap this summer, do the Lakers get their 2024 first round? What would still be owed to the Pels? All right, so the pick swap this year is independent of the 2024 or 2025 pick. The way it's going to work is the Pelicans will have the option to take the Lakers pick this year. So bottom line, if the Lakers are worse than the Pelicans by the end of the, at the end of the season, the Pelicans will take the Lakers draft pick. So let's say the Lakers finish with a record of, I don't know, let's be optimistic, say 41 and 41. And the Pelicans finish with a record of 45, uh, 45 wins. And then you've got the, the Lakers, let's say they have the, I don't know, 15th draft pick. And the Pelicans get the 19th draft pick. The Pelicans will take the Lakers 15th pick. The Lakers will get the Pelicans 19th pick. Now, obviously, it could be more extreme. What if the Pelicans are the third seed in the conference and the Lakers finish dead last? And then the Lakers wind up with, oh, God, the number one pick. Then the Lakers will give the number one pick to the Pelicans, and the Lakers will instead get the Pelicans' non-lottery pick, which will sit, like, I don't know, somewhere in the 20s. That would be pretty disastrous from a Lakers perspective. That would be reason to celebrate in New Orleans if, if that were the case. Um, 2024 and 2025 is independent of this pick swap. The way 2024 and 25 works is that the Pelicans get to decide if they want the 2024 pick. If they decide we don't want that pick, they can defer it one year and then they automatically get the Lakers 2025 pick. Those are unprotected. So whatever, if, if, the, if the Pelicans feel like the Lakers are going to be really good in 2024, they'll just defer it to 2025. But the Pelicans get to pick which one of those two they take. That's where that's at. After that, that's it. 2026, every other pick the Lakers have unencumbered. Uh, and remember, whichever pick they don't take, either 2024 or 2025, the Lakers get that. So they have a pick this year. They will have one pick between 2024 and 2025. They'll get one of those as well. So you're only losing one pick in the next three seasons. But the pick swap this year makes that feel a little bit worse than it sounds when you say it that way.
Quadrant. Crypto sh should boo Jeannie if she shows up on Sunday. Yeah, so we've got uh, George Mikan's retirement ceremony here. Uh, I'm sorry, Jersey retirement. I'm, I was surprised that it's not done already, right? Like this is George Mikan, like the first NBA superstar. And it, it, Jersey's number isn't retired yet. But nevertheless, from what I've seen, it looks like maybe James Worthy is going to host it. And if, like the Lakers are going to do this pregame from what we've heard and what they've released and not a halftime, which typically it's a halftime thing. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if Jeannie and Rob are going to go. If they do, and they're given an opportunity to speak, I have to imagine there's going to be a reaction from the crowd. Um, and probably not a positive one. Now, if you're the Lakers, you don't, like, obviously you don't want that period, but you don't want that disrupting this moment too, because it's supposed to be about Mike and it's not supposed to be about fans being upset with Rob and Jeannie. So I can understand like most people may look at that and say, Oh, well, this is cowardly if they don't come out and that, that type of thing. But they also understand that if they go out, it's taking away from what the moment is supposed to be. So I don't know if I would necessarily view it that way, but I will agree that look, if, if like if Rob gets on the mic, I think the crowd's going to let him hear it. I, that's what I would imagine would happen. Jason, any chance Darvin Ham is on the hot seat? No, 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 not, not five games into the season. Not, not, no, no chance. He's got a four-year contract. Jeannie's been touting him as their big off-season acquisition. Look, it's, it's been bad. There's no question. For losing five games in a row to start the season, that's not good. You lost all but one of your preseason games. It's not been good, but um, I, I don't think Rob is in any way on the hot seat five games into the season. Ham is garbage. Oh, man. Can't coach. Close the game and your best three-point shooter in Ryan doesn't see the floor. I mean, Ryan wasn't on an NBA roster for a while. He's a guy the Lakers just kind of brought in last minute. Um, look, he's a good shooter, but I think that he was just looking for some other things. Yeah, they need shooting. They need shooting. There's no question, but Matt Ryan also leaves a lot to be desired on the defensive end of the floor. They needed to get stops, so I can understand it in that sense. Um yeah, I'm not going to fault Darvin Ham too much for not playing Matt Ryan down the stretch. Frank, if the Lakers care about their future, they will trade LeBron and Davis for value now. Keep Westbrook for now. Let his contract expire and just rebuild. Well, see, if they had their 2023 pick without a pick swap, if they had 2024 and 2025 with no Pelicans option in there, then you can make a stronger case for rebuilding. But the problem is, let's say you bottom this team out all you're doing is helping the Pelicans. You're just improving the picks they're going to get. So that's a challenge with rebuilding. Not to mention it kind of goes against the Lakers' DNA to go to LeBron just a few months after he signed a contract extension and say, well, you know what? We couldn't do it. So let's trade you. By the way, they actually can't trade him. Even if, even if LeBron went to the Lakers and said, please trade me, and the Lakers said, okay, we will, they, they cannot trade him because of when he signed his extension he is not trade eligible until the summer. So LeBron cannot be traded. Anthony Davis could be if they wanted to. Um, they could trade him. And I know people have been talking about that quite a bit, but I don't think that's something the Lakers want to do just yet. Pavan said, don't agree with saying the Lakers shooting 31% would have given them two to three wins because we cannot change that single fact in a vacuum. Let's keep the picks temporary pain for long-term gain. Love you guys. All right. Well, hey, thank you for the, for the comment. Um, I've been saying for a while now that if they shot equal to the worst team in the NBA last season, which is 32%, then 
their record would not look like it does. That they the games against the Blazers and the Clippers would have been blowout wins. Because if just simple math, if you just take their three-point percentage and you bump it up to terrible, worst in the league for last season, but not historically bad like they've been, then that's a lot more points on the board and you're probably winning those games. And I actually think I'm probably understating that because what we've seen is a lot of these three-point misses turn into fast break opportunities going the other way uh, for the Lakers opponents. Whereas if they're t- if the Lakers are making some of those and they're taking the ball out of the net, that means those teams are going against a set defense for the Lakers half in half court, which means the effect is probably even greater than just adding up the math of, oh, okay, well, at this percentage, they would have hit three more three-pointers, so add on nine points. Probably actually more than that because you're taking away some higher probability scoring opportunities from your opposing team. But that said, I understand, look, you, you can't, it's hard to just go back in and say, well, just do this, this, and this, because we don't know how the other team would respond and that look, all the, the calculus of the game changes. I get that. But just in general, I was using that to illustrate that their three-point shooting was really the culprit behind a lot of their losses more than anything else. As far as keeping the picks, temporary pain for long-term gain, I mean, the Pelicans definitely hope that that's going to be the mentality of the Lakers, that that's going to be their approach. I'm not saying it's the wrong approach. It may indeed be, but in the moment when you're seeing this team struggle, it's it's hard to get on board with that. It's hard to do that. It may indeed be the best path, though. We'll see. Phantom King said, the Lakers need to do what is in the team's best interest long-term, not what is in LeBron's best interest. He will be leaving soon anyway. He, if he doesn't like it, he shouldn't have signed an extension. Well, I, I would imagine that there was some type of agreement with LeBron when he signed the extension that they would do, and Rob Palenka alluded to this, that they would do what they needed to do in order to help him win. And that could involve trading those draft picks. Now, that might not mean this season. It might mean next summer. But I think they ultimately are going to do what they can to try to do right by LeBron. I also think that assuming that's the case, and again, that's the widespread belief, I don't think they're going to turn around and say, well, LeBron, you know what? Actually, sorry, we're, we're not going to do this. Um, guess you shouldn't have signed the extension, man. Sorry, too bad. Because what happens is superstars talk. The Lakers are a superstar destination. You don't want LeBron suddenly mad at the Lakers and telling everybody that they don't take care of their stars. The Lakers have worked very hard to cultivate the opposite image. And that's part of why the Russell Westbrook situation is so tricky because you're starting to see some former players paint the Lakers as the bad guys in the situation, which I don't entirely agree with. And I've talked at length about this, but you don't want that really compounding either. And that's maybe even more reason to move on from Russell Westbrook because you don't want the situation getting worse with Russ in LA because you don't want other players looking at this and going up. Oh, Russ could be so much more if he was just somewhere else. This is on the Lakers for messing this up. You don't want that negativity affecting their reputation and diminishing their hopes as a future landing spot for free agents. Swish highlights said rebuild or Russ plus both picks for depth have to be one of the two trying to finesse a roster out of what they have is a joke. Worst roster from three to 15. It's the middle ground. That's scary. Isn't it right? I mean, you want to do one of those two things. You don't want to just try to toe the line and, and stay right in the middle. You either go all in or you don't. And so I'm, I'm with you. I understand that. It feels like the Lakers, though, are looking at it, at it as, hey, let's go all in, but maybe if we don't see something we love, let's wait till the summer. Which may come across as 
they're just kind of straddling the line and not really doing what they need to do. And I get there'll be a lot of frustration with from fans if that's the, the path they take. Jarrett, I feel like Ham gives the other team what they want with that smaller lineup having LeBron at center. It's ridiculous. No faith until a trade happens. Well, I do think part of that was not Darvin Ham's initial idea coming into the season. I think Damian Jones, despite being my guy, has not been as good as we would have hoped. He's had some moments, but overall hasn't been as good as, as the Lakers would have hoped. Uh, Thomas Bryant has been hurt. Anthony Davis missed a game being hurt. So a, a lot of the players that you would rely upon, I mean, really all of them, right, that you would rely upon to be your center haven't been there. And so they've wound up having to default to LeBron James at center at times. I don't think that's even, I don't think that's even Darvin Ham's ideal situation. I think it might be out of necessity. I will say they have had some success doing that in the past. We saw it with Frank Vogel. Saw it again against the Wolves a little bit. Um, we'll see if it's something he continues to try. But again, I don't think it's ideally what he wants to go to. Uh, Minnesota commentators said that Russ killed this team in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. Look, Russ had some mistakes for sure. But I keep leaning back on, look, if, if Lonnie was cooking, Lonnie had it going, then yeah, you're looking at this and saying, well, what are we doing here? But Lonnie was having a really off night and he wasn't really creating much for you. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, if he had it going, then you could say, yeah, you know what? You probably pull Russ. The, the Lakers didn't have anybody else to really turn to. And Russ was having, again, an adequate night. He wasn't, it's not like he was incredible, but I thought he was, I, I used the term fantastic because I thought he fit in the role that they needed him to. And he was productive and he was doing some things in terms of pushing the pace, getting boards, getting blocks, doing some things defensively. Overall, I thought if you watch the game, if you just look at the stat line, you go, Ugh, not a good night for us. But if you watched him, um, I, I thought he did well. I thought he did well. Now, that being said, it's ironic because typically it's the other way around. Russ is the guy who puts up stats and you go, oh, a triple-double, he's fantastic. And in reality, he didn't really help you much on the floor because the efficiency is so poor and the turnovers are so high and all of that. But this was actually the opposite of that where the stats don't look very good, but his impact, I thought, was a positive. Uh, Matt said, how does Matt feel that you didn't pick him as VP? That was from a question from a previous show. People asked if I was running, if I was to become president, which is nothing that I would want to do, but uh, who I would pick as my vice president. They said, Sean or Matt. I joked that I would pick Chris and I would have him master lock all of my political opponents. Uh, Matt's response was, was simply that uh, it should be Sean because Sean is typically the guy who fills in the most on shows when I'm gone. So that would make sense. He was not offended in any event. Uh, he said that Chris should be my uh, secretary of defense, though. That was a good call. JP said, we said this would be a brutal stretch of games. Bad shooting, undersized, rookie head coach, whole new rotation. Are we surprised? This was expected. Look, some bumps in the road were expected, but I don't think 0-5 and, and last winless team in the NBA was expected. That's See, that's the thing. We're looking at the season as a whole. People expected them to struggle a bit at the beginning, but not this much. People expected them to have some problems shooting the basketball, but not this much, where they're historically bad, like averaged at 1.22% from three. I'm sure that's gone up just a little bit since the Wolves game, since they did shoot above average there. But yeah, that's it's been the extremes on the negative end that's been surprising about this. And that's what's been unexpected. Like if the Lakers were two and three right now, I think we the conversation would be very different. I mean, people would still be frustrated with some of the losses, but we'd be saying, yeah, this is probably about where we expect it to be. The fact that they're 0-5, I 
that's where people are upset. The fact that they've shot so historically poorly from three, that's where people are frustrated. Yeah, that it's the extremes that's getting people upset. Brandon says, what about Dwight or Cousins? I, they've tried to stay away from the older kind of retread guys because of the issues they had last season. You would have to, if you wanted to bring in one of those guys, you would have to waive a non-guaranteed player most likely. So you're talking about Wendy and Gabriel, Austin Reeves, Matt Ryan. I thought when he did some good things, his three-point defense on Carl Anthony Towns uh, being an exception, but I thought when he has done some good things, the switchability is solid for them. I don't know that going and getting Dwight or going and getting Boogie is going to give you more than what you're getting right now. I wouldn't totally dismiss the idea because of the center problems, but I don't know if you go sign one of those guys and you just go, cool, we're good. We're good at the center position now. I don't know how many minutes these guys can play or how many games they're going to be able to stay healthy for given their age at this point. Uh, Ratish said, did you see the stats for Heald and Turner tonight? 25 and 5, 27 and 10, both shot good from three. Yeah, this was the best game of the season for both of them. Um, and it happened to come on the night of the Lakers' fifth loss, and that kind of added some salt to the wound. That said, I mean, look, we've seen, you can see where they would help. There's no question. You can see where having those two guys on the roster would help. We had the early comment on the show where somebody said they would be three and two or whatever with, with those two players. Yeah, they, they probably would be. I'm not, I can't argue against that. Jared says, Clippers had Lob City. Now we have Sob City. Game number four on my glad I didn't watch that game list. Okay, so you've only watched one of the five games, Jared is saying. Uh, yeah, Sob City so far. That, that has been unfortunately accurate. Here's somebody else who, who took exception to me saying Russ is fantastic. Uh, in fact, I think it's a similar comment to one we went over before. Missed layups. Lakers with an elite shot blocker, 26-year-old Turner, and top four, 29-year-old Buddy Heald. They're four and one or three and two. Again, won't, won't argue against that. Keon Park said, if other teams want more than two picks in the Russ trade, do the Lakers give more or not trade and go Brian Windhorst's way next year in terms of just waiting until Russ drops off the books and then making your moves? So it, like, let's say you, you call the Pacers and the Pacers say, well, you know what? You guys are 0-5. You're clearly super desperate now. So instead of just two firsts, we want two firsts. Plus how many seconds do you have? Yeah, all of those. And uh, let's talk about some pick swaps being thrown in there. If teams try to really squeeze the Lakers like that, then they, yeah, they may be left with no choice but to just kind of ride it out rather than do a trade that really crushes them. That's the danger for the Lakers. This is, this is why this is so important they can make themselves worse for the future. Like if they don't get whatever they do with Russ, if they don't get this decision 100% right, there's no wiggling out of it. Like the rust, the rust rate has sent them back a massive amount, a massive, I mean, may have effectively ended the LeBron, LeBron era in LA. That trade may have ended it, but you can compound the damage because once those picks that you use are gone, they're gone. So if you mess up, like the rust trade, you can kind of undo some of it by using those future picks. If whatever you get in the rust trade doesn't get it done, you don't have anything else to throw in. There's nothing you can do to unwind whatever this next move is. And that's terrifying. They have to get it right. Vector Nova said, given how I feel 
about Rob. I hope we keep this year's pick regardless of position. The drafting team is the only thing I can trust in the front office, and this year's draft is supposed to be pretty deep. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's that's you know Jesse Boss and and the the front office, the portion of the front office that covers scouting and all of that that all that they have uh, they've done a really nice job finding players, especially deep in the draft. They've done a great job, and so I, I can't disagree with you there necessarily. If I'm the Lakers, I'm. If you decide to rebuild, I'd want to get as many picks as I can because you're right. That's the one piece of this organization so far that has consistently proven that they can find success, that they can find players in the draft. It's the Lakers scouting department. They've done a really great job. And so if you decide to go down that path, yeah, you want to hang on to as many picks as you can. That's for sure. Sports Express, man, make the damn trade. Richardson and Doug McDermott. With that, we give you a couple of three-point shooting wings. Would certainly space the floor for you, open some things up. Yeah, the, the Pacers package is not bad. And my question is, can you get Jakob Pertle into the mix? I'm wondering more, as we're seeing more and more games, I'm thinking you may need to bring in another center if Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones simply can't get the job done. Justice League, I'd keep Westbrook and trade AD to Chicago. Next year, Russ is gone. We have more money to load up on more quality players. I think it's fair. Depending on what you get back from Chicago, sure, you can make, uh, make an argument for it, like Vucevic. Uh, he's an expiring contract. If you really want to want to have a lot of cap space, you can swap out AD in a trade that brings in Vucevic and some other stuff. Off you go. If, if that's the path you decide to go down. But I would be shocked if they decided to do something like that now. That would be a, at the trade deadline when, if the wheels have totally fallen off type move. Avi B, how AD jumped and got injured is beyond frustrating. Yeah, I mean... Seeing Anthony Davis injured is is certainly frustrating. It's not he's not trying to get injured. It's just it just seems to be happening, and it's definitely tough. It's it's not fun to watch. That's for that's for sure. Dwight and Cousins over Damian and or over Gabriel and Jones. I like it. This one says so. They're, they're saying they would prefer to let Damian Jones go, which you guaranteed money on that contract, by the way. Let Wendy and Gabriel go, non guaranteed, so you could do that and bring in Dwight Howard and Demarcus Cousins. You know, I can't say for sure that you're getting better by doing that, but I, like neither Gabriel or Jones have you know, set the world on fire either. So I get it. OG said, Russ was the second best player tonight. B plus. Trade AD, we get more back. He had all year to take care of his body. At this point, he's stealing money. Again, I don't, I don't look at this as Anthony Davis didn't take care of his body or this is evidence that AD was just sitting on his couch all summer and not putting in the work or anything like that. I don't think that's the case. And also I can sympathize with him because he's not choosing to get hurt. It's not like Anthony Davis is going out and saying, you know what? Now, instead of putting up 20 points tonight, I want to get hurt. That's that way. That sounds fantastic. Let's go. Uh, just schedule me for a back injury. Let's do that. No, I mean, he's not trying to get hurt. He knows he's got a lot on the line this season. I know it's frustrating to see him get hurt and see these injuries pile up. And ultimately as a franchise, you might have to make a tough decision there. But at the same time, I don't, I can't say, oh, AD is stealing money because that implies that he's somehow doing this on purpose. And he's not. Matt says Westbrook is now 6'3 Lamar Odom on the back end of 30. His handles aren't as good as Jamal Crawford. So this will likely be his best game. Could be. I hope not. I'm hoping that the, that coming off the bench and running with that bench unit 
is enough of a spark for him to kind of get him going. But that's very cautious optimism there. Very cautious because we've seen <laughs> some very rough moments over the last year. Jay Delgado, they have a good defense now, but did not resign any of their shooters. Why give an extension to Palenka for half the work? Great question. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Aside from silver lining of the Palenka extension is now he doesn't feel like he has to make a win now trade to save his job. Um, and so he doesn't have to do a kind of a panic trade. And teams can't use that as leverage against him. Teams can't say, well, you have to make a trade right now. Otherwise, you're out. Now Rob can say, I got a four-year contract. I can make the long-term move and I'm just fine. That's, that's the silver lining though. The optics of it aren't great. I think that's why the Lakers didn't announce the extension when it happened. And I don't think they were thrilled when it came out that he got the extension. Because it doesn't look great when you fire the head coach for a terrible season in Frank Vogel, which I'm not saying that was the wrong move, but you let go of Frank Vogel and then you say, hey, GM that put this team together that was terrible and put the fans through an awful season and all of this stuff. Uh, here's Not only are you keeping your job, but here's an extension. We want to do more of this. Not a good look. And so I understand why fans are curious about why this happened. Again, the reasons I gave are more silver lining than anything else, than concrete reasons why you should do this right now. So it's curious. We'll see what Rob does. He has brought a championship. Hopefully he can pull something off that can help the team. Uh, KJ Hardick said, the crazy thing is Pacers will probably force the Lakers to take Tice now. And with the current bigs, we would probably use him. Yeah, I, I don't think probably. I think they absolutely would use him. I, I mean, I don't know if getting Daniel Tice back in the deal is that big of a negative at this point. Before we were looking at it as, okay, the Lakers have Damian Jones. They've got Thomas Bryant. They've got other bigs they're going to use there. They haven't been that, that great. So is getting back at Daniel Tice a deal breaker for the Lakers or is it actually a positive now for them? If you could get back a guy like that, that could that could potentially provide something for you. Now, that's of course, if he's healthy, Tice has been out with knee soreness. So that's a big question mark there too. Leonardo said, if the Lakers don't trade Russ, who's available in the offseason to trade picks? An expiring 23-24 uh, player, Teams are tanking this year for Victor Wembanyama. Yes, they are. Uh, if they don't trade Russ, who's available in the offseason to take those picks and trade them for? We, it's, it's hard to project that. Who's going to be on the trade market next summer? A lot of that will be, de be determined by how things play out this season. So it's, it's hard to say who will be available for trade next summer if that's what they do. They may look to use the $30 million or so in cap space in free agency and go sign somebody. Um, like Kyrie would be maybe a prime target if you can get him to take less. But I mean, look what's going on with Kyrie right now. Do you, do you want him? Do you want do you want to deal with that? I don't know. I think that lost a lot of its luster on the last few days. It's me personally, but in any event, yeah, I don't. I can't say for sure what deals would be out there for next year, or even who might be available on the market, because that's going to be determined by what happens this season. You can't win unless you learn to lose. This is a quote from Kareem that somebody chimed in with. That's true. Uh, let's hope they're learning a lot right now. Ree said, is Braun eligible to be traded this season, especially if he demands one? Just curious. No, he's not. Uh, he cannot be traded this season. Earliest he could be traded is the summer. NBA Smack Talk. Why should Lakers fans buy tickets slash watch games 
if this is the product after the most disappointing season last year, I mean, fair question. That's something the Lakers are have to wrestle with. What incentive are they giving people to go to the games besides just it's the Lakers and we have LeBron? Um, come watch LeBron play. Come watch LeBron break Kareem's record. I mean, I guess you've got those things there. But if this is the product and they continue losing at this rate, I mean, they're not going to lose at this rate. That would mean no wins on the entire season. But if they continue losing a lot of games and they're a bottom-of-the-barrel team, then, I mean, I could see fans, again, tuning out. After, after last season, there's not a lot to look forward to here. It's not like, like when the Lakers were losing, when they won like 17 games on the season, you could tune in and you could say, well, I want to see the kids develop. We know that wins are not the most important thing right now. Let's watch how the young kids develop, right? That was during a portion of the rebuild. That was kind of the mentality from Lakers fans. Part of that was also, hey, let's watch Kobe's final season because that got intermixed with that. But a lot of it was, let's see how these kids develop. We know we're going to lose and, that, and that's okay. Let's watch how the young kids develop. If they're losing games right now, you don't even really have that. Let's see what Austin Reeves does, Right. And he's a fine player, but it's not the same as, let's see if Brandon Ingram can become that guy. Let's see if D'Angelo Russell can be our next point guard of the future. Let's see what Julius Randle can do. Let's see if Lonzo Ball can be a transcendent player, right? Those were the conversations that we were having at the time. And that's not going to be the case. This season certainly was not the case last season. So back to your question, why should Lakers fans buy tickets or watch games? think that's something that each fan will have to determine whether or not they want to do on their own. Um, I will say, I think this team needs to give fans something to be excited about. They need to give fans something to cheer for, something to be proud of. Because um, we haven't seen that in a couple of seasons now. Gary Fabulous, what do you think is the domino effect if Schroeder signs that extension two years ago? Kuz probably still gets traded, but I think we're much better now. It's ironic, right? <laughs> like, Schroeder is a bad contract on a four-year, $84 million deal. That was what was out there that he was going to get. So over $20 million a year for Dennis Schroeder. Uh, what would he be on now? This would be the second year of that deal right now if he had signed that. There's no Russ trade. Um, so you, you didn't go trade for Russell Westbrook, which means you still have KCP. Maybe you still have Alex Caruso. Kuzma, you, might, you could have still traded Kuzma and... Montrez Harrell for Buddy Heald. So maybe your lineup right now is Dennis Schroeder. You've got KCP. You have Alex Caruso. You have Buddy Heald. You have LeBron. You have AD. You could still sign Damian Jones. Taxpayer mid-level could still go to Lonnie Walker if you wanted. But yeah, th this team looks much more formidable then. Crazy to think of that, isn't it? That as much as... On, like the Lakers, they dodged a bullet. Dennis Schroeder clearly is not worth that contract. He'd be a negative value on that contract. People would be complaining about it. But in the long run, and, and, at the, and if we were living in that timeline, we have, would have no way of knowing of the bullet that we dodged by him signing that contract. But ironically, they would have wound up being in a better spot, most likely, had he signed that deal and having a negative value Dennis Schroeder at $20 million, instead of having a negative value Russ Westbrook at 47. Man, that's crazy. Nam said, there's a dark cloud ho hovering over the Lakers and it won't change until there's a trade. Sacrifice the picks, get some fresh blood in here and watch the season change. I do wonder about that. You know, with 
how much of it is the mentality? And how much does that mentality change if the Lakers get some new players coming in? If Just if Russell Westbrook has moved, and I'm not saying he's been overly negative. I thought that um, what he did against the Wolves in terms of coming off the bench and he provided energy, he sparked, he was fired up, he was emotional. You know, he was, he didn't do anything wrong there in terms of his attitude towards the game. Certainly didn't look like he'd do anything wrong. Once Scott Anderson has been raving about how great of a teammate Russ is. Nonetheless, there is that cloud hanging over the team because everybody knows that sooner or later, Russ is either going to be moved or there's going to be a million trade rumors involving him. And if not, then he, the, he and the franchise are going their separate ways this summer. Do you? How much do you clear the air just by trading him? How much of that is a benefit? Forgetting about just you know what you're getting in return in terms of do you get pieces that can help the Lakers be better right now? Just clearing the air, how much does that help? I don't know. I might. I might. But again, JTA has been talking about how great of a teammate Russ is, so I don't even know how significant that effect would be. Gotti boy, thought on Coach Ham, thoughts on Coach Ham saying after tonight's game that he might run Braun Mora at the five. Again, I think it's out of necessity. It's a little worrisome because we saw Frank Vogel turn to that as like a last-ditch resort, and now here we are. We're five games into the season, and oh my gosh, this is where we're at again already. It's not like, it's not just, should AD play the five? Now it's, oh, should LeBron be a five? Really? Is that where we're at? So I get there's pessimism of it. I'm not opposed to it in short stretches. I just don't think it's anything that you want to rely upon for any longer period of time. And if it is, that probably says, go get a trade done. Because you need, I, I don't think you want to put that on them. As much as you don't want to put it on AD, I think you really don't want to put that on LeBron. Peanut Butter Badger. I think what killed us in the offseason was the Gobert trade. Everybody wanted the whole farm after that. Yeah, that definitely reset the trade market to a degree. Um, I think, while the Nets were probably never going to move Kevin Durant, it also made it that much more difficult to get a Kevin Durant deal done, which essentially locked up the entire NBA market for, what, six weeks or so this summer? Um, because teams saw what, what Minnesota gave up to get Gobert, and it was an overpay, there's no question. And there were... A lot of teams and I said, well, if God, if I'm going to trade Kevin Durant, I mean, I need to get more than that. And teams were looking at what Minnesota gave up and said, man, I, I wouldn't even give all that for KD. What's going on here? So, yeah, it did. I think it hurt the entire league's trade market. I don't know how much it changed the trade market in regards to Russell Westbrook, but it did grind things to a halt for a while this summer. And that was certainly frustrating for a lot of people. We're going to lose 24 in a row out of respect for Kobe. Now that's, I don't see how that would be respectful of Kobe. If anything, that would be disrespectful to Kobe. Why was LeBron tired and 10 of 24 inefficient? I don't understand LeBron tired at, and 10 and 24. Uh, there were some people making those comments. Uh, it's, yeah, his 20th, 20th year, uh, second most minutes. He's 37, <laughs> 37 years old. That's just, yeah, your body wears down. Um, that's why he gets he gets tired. And we saw LeBron tired in the Wolves game, hand on his knees, all that kind of stuff. Um, it just happens. It, it is what happens. And that's where, that's where again, if you're LeBron, you got to be frustrated. Like, man, do I really have to carry this team again? Like, just to be respectable, I have to go out here and take it to that level every single night? That's That's got to be frustrating for him. It's got to be. Chris, ownership is to blame, and I don't have confidence they have the guts or cash to pull the trigger on a major deal, even if it means offering AD. I think there's a lot of blame. There's plenty of blame to go around. 
There's more to, more than enough blame to go around. Ownership, front office, whatever. I think the point that's been made, and, and Scorpio Sky brought this up to me the other day, said, why are people clamoring for a trade? If we're blaming the Russ trade on the Lakers front office, why are we so heavily pushing for them to make another trade to undo it? How are we so confident that they aren't just going to make things worse with another trade? Like, why should we be confident that this time, though, they're going to get the trade right? And I get that line of thinking. Um, I think there's a general sentiment that doing nothing is not acceptable to Lakers fans. But again, plenty of blame to go around. I don't know about having the guts to to pull off a major deal. I think if it's there, they're going to do it. I don't think they're happy with the way things are at. If they are, that's a big problem. They shouldn't be happy with the way things are. Um, I don't know that the right deal is ever going to come along, though. I don't know that there's going to be a deal that falls in their laps where they just go, oh, this is a no-brainer. Done. What? What? You're giving us... But Giannis for us, done, right? Like that's not going to fall in your lap. And obviously that's an extreme example, but I don't know that the perfect deal is going to come along. I think teams are looking to fleece the Lakers and that's probably the right strategy on their part because the Lakers sure look desperate. So I think they're going to have to decide, do we do a deal and not get everything that we want in that deal? Or are we kicking down the kicking the can down the road till next summer? And then if that's the case, what are you telling LeBron? What are you telling the fans? Be patient. It's still October right now. Wait until July. That's a tough sell. That's not easy. That I mean, that in and of itself takes some guts to say, and that's going to get a lot of people angry if that is the strategy. Angrier, I should say. All right. Went through a lot today. Um, a lot going on around this team. They have a chance tonight to get a win against the Denver Nuggets. Not going to be easy. Nuggets should have Michael Porter Jr. back, who they did not have last time. But the Lakers, hopefully, fingers crossed, as of this moment, Anthony Davis is questionable to play. Darvin Ham sounded pretty confident he would play. JTA, also questionable. Russ should play. LeBron should play. I think this should be a healthier Lakers team this time. Can they knock down shots? Can they find a way at home to get a win finally and not go 0-6. and Sure would be great to see, although I know a lot of Lakers fans don't have confidence that they will. Frankly, based on what we've seen so far, I don't blame you if you're not confident that that win is coming today. But that said, come join us over on Playback tonight. We will be uh, broadcasting our live stream of the game. You can watch the game directly with us. And if they win, we will celebrate together. If they lose, we will commiserate. and We will find some way to get through it together so come watch the game directly with us on playback i'll put the link in the description below over on the lakers nation youtube channel subscribe there thank you everybody till next time stay safe and see you